listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. We are back for season two, episode two, Joel. We are here. Andy, the fun just keeps rolling in. It does. Uh, it's not been a long time since we recorded the last episode. It was only a few days, but we're back in studio. Are we just being more responsible podcast recorders in the new something, year? Is that what's happening? Something like Did that. Did we have a New Year's resolution that we didn't really talk about, but we're sort of living we into are, now? I think so. It could be. We're, we're recording quicker <laughs> these days. <laughs> so good. So good. But we know we re- we're recording quicker this time because our guest uh, today... Uh, Made it all the way. He made a two-hour trip to come in oh. the studio. And by the way, it is rainy and nasty. Uh, there is, I think we're going to get some flooding. And he just traveled up through all of that. This is the time of year where I live in Indiana and I go, why? why? Yeah, why, why? why am I here? Why? It's, it's rainy one day, it's snowy the next, and then it's like short weather again. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, th- and this has been a, an, an unnaturally warm uh, It's it has and so it's it's just kind of uh it's the gloom and the and the rain and the it's 54 degrees out right now and it's it's in january i don't know guys uh i i'm not going to get into a climate change discussion here but uh something seems off uh, at least right now my my only hope is that by winter camp uh that's right i'd be worried that there's lots and lots of snow gosh just a little snow maybe a good good drop of like a foot if we get that in southern michigan It'd be so, great. So we can take those middle schoolers out and just shove them down the hill. We're good. We're good. Oh, boy. Now you got me all excited about that, too. <laughs> good. Well, <laughs> well, tonight we want to, or today, or you're normally recording tonight. Uh, today, uh, our guest is Cody Chaplin, and I'm actually going to let him do this segment. What's brewing? What's brewing? What's brewing? What's brewing? And the reason I'm going to let him do it is because he said when we were scheduling the episode, he said, I want to come to your studio and I want to bring my coffee and brew it for you. And we said, sir, we don't know. We don't know what angel you are. We don't know what the patron saint of coffee is. I'm sure someone could tell us, but it sounds like you have aligned with these forces. And so please, Please come and bless us with your with your delicious brew. So, Cody, welcome to the show. And thank you. Tell us what we're drinking today. Uh, today we are drinking a light roast from a company called Copper Moon, which is locally in Lafayette, Indiana, which is where my wife and I live. And uh, it's an Ethiopian Sedima, um, really light, clean, delicious. It's my favorite from the Copper Moon. Um, yeah, uh, we brew it in a Chemex. Yes. At uh, 900 grams of water. <laughs> Beautiful. 45 grams of coffee. Yes, Lord, preach. <laughs> and uh, boiling point. So, um, yeah, it's delicious, and it's my favorite. It's just super well-balanced. I like the the finish is clean. You know, but you say a light roast. It's not what I would normally think of on a lighter roast because it, it, it does have a full body. Like, it has a full body of flavor to it. You just not – you're not uh, – it doesn't feel like you're – you're not getting a, a mouthful of smoke per se, but you're mm. definitely there's, there's no a, film left. Yeah, at the end, filmless coffee, which is a great it's, thing. It is, it, and I mean, we've never had a Chemex brewed oh, coffee word. on the show. So, <laughs> Andy, I'm I'm gonna just say I'm a coffee snob and nerd. Yeah, so I'm I, just gonna I'll say we're I'm I'm gonna have to look into some things. <laughs> uh, 
I'm about to reconsider what I've been doing with my life here. Reconsider your hobbies. <laughs> although, although I should say, I did get, uh, I did get an AeroPress uh, mm. for, uh, you know, just because I'm the only coffee drinker in my home, and so uh, the AeroPress has come in uh, handy for that one cup, you know, that one cup uh, situation. It works out well. But, uh, but other than that, I this is this whole process is just beautiful. And I, I love the AeroPress as well because it's a mixture of saturation process like the uh you know like the french press <laughs> mm-hmm. but then you also get to mm-hmm. press it out that's right like a, a shot of espresso that's <laughs> right it's uh it's got it's another clean finish yeah uh, without the grit of the uh, french press zero so. grit <laughs> yes uh and i'm drinking it out of our, my new dudes and dads oh, podcast boy. um coffee cup which Andy, where can you find the wonderful Dudes and Dads coffee mug? You can find it over at dudesanddadspodcast.com slash store. Beautiful. On the back it says what's brewing just for this segment. So Yeah. And uh, you've you've updated the graphics on some of our other merchandise, if I'm not mistaken. I, yeah, some of it. And so uh, Andy and I are gonna be donning the uh, official dudes the new dudes and dads uh, hoodies soon. Soon. Um, so we're looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, if we really got our act together, you know, let's just say, Cody, we're going to send you some sort of merch. People that come on the <laughs> we show, should send them we something. should actually send them something because well, loving coffee, a coffee mug would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, he, he brought all the goodness to us. <laughs> Golly, that, that would be great. Man, I'm just feeling blessed this morning. Just uh, this coffee is making my day. It is in the gloom and the doom. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, again, we brought Cody on today because he's got a great story. Um, it's one though that just as a kind of a word of warning that we're going to put out here since we do have a wide range of audiences this may not be a, a topic for kids for younger kids um, it deals with some more adult type themes and so just kind of a word of warning you may not want to have your kids listen to this this show I know uh, but, I know for me I oftentimes listen to podcasts well it sometimes is in the in ear and then it's sometimes you know just like broadcast out in the living room as we're doing other stuff and uh, you know yeah my kids are walking around so we're, we're just trying to be uh, uh, we're, we're not going uh, x-rated here but we are trying to be sensitive like Andy said to uh, just, the fact that uh, you never know who's listening we so. don't know who's listening so but we're grateful for every single one. Of yes. You. Thank you. <laughs> so Cody welcome to the show and um, we first want to have you tell us your dad stats. We like to ask our our listeners dad stats. So tell us just about who you are. What makes you a dad and yep. well I know what makes you a dad. <laughs> yeah. Well we're really going to get me, into I, the if you could really tell us how you became a dad. No <laughs> listener discretion. No. No. Advised. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So my name is Cody Chaplin. I'm 35. Uh, I got married to my wife Cassie. Uh, in 2009, April 18th, 2009. And then a year later, we had our first son, Liam, who is now, he's turning nine this month, January 27th. And then we had our second son, Thalen, uh, who is six in New Zealand. Our third child, Clara, who is four. We had her in New Zealand. And our fourth child, Rayowen, who is three. And we had her in New Zealand as well. How does how does citizenship work? It doesn't really in New Zealand. Um, you have to be a natural born citizen or a resident. And gotcha. We, and we were neither. So all of our kids have birth certificate of birth abroads um, and a New Zealand birth certificate. Okay. So gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. So, so okay. they are full blooded Americans. Gotcha. By paper. Gotcha. And by <laughs> by blood. Gotcha. So uh, you had reached out to us. Tell us a little bit about your story, and we, we may interject in here um, asking you some questions, but if you want to just go ahead and start and, uh, with your story for us. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in a home with 
awesome parents. Um, I had two older sisters, and things started. Things were in different places all my life. So um, I was uh, involved in a case where uh, my babysitter molested me as a child, um, really young. Didn't remember until I was like in fifth or sixth grade, um, but I remembered it vividly. I remember the pictures of like in my brain what it what happened. Um, but then it, that was a confusing time too because people are like, that was so long ago. Did it really happen? Are you just trying to get attention? That kind of thing. Um, when I turned eight, my parents split up. They got a divorce. And then about a year and a half later, they both got remarried to their significant other now. Um and a week apart. So I got two new parents within a week. Wow. Um, so not only was I just, just uh, an angry kid because my parents were splitting up and then I got two new parents and I can tell you now that I love those step parents. Like they're the, it, it, my life would not be the same without them. So I'm very thankful for them. Um, with my dad and stepmom, I got a, another sister, a half sister who, okay. I, I never. I, it's weird to call her a half sister because we just grew up together. But I am ten years older than her, and I was the baby of my parents, so um, the youngest of three. So yeah, um, my story really starts. I think when I my grandfather was a pastor for a little country church in Indiana somewhere. I don't even remember what city it was, and he planted a church um, in my hometown and um, very faithful. He was my step grandpa, but. Um, I only knew him as grandpa. So uh, he was awesome. He was a musician and a um, and a pastor. And he always told us about Jesus, but I was kind of just, I was angry, so I didn't really care. Um, I mean, I went to church with them as a little kid and, you know, memorized things that they asked me to memorize, but I never really believed anything. And then when he passed away, my grandma, he, he supported like 90 kids to go to school in India. And so they dedicated a library to him and they uh, wanted my grandma to come over. So my grandma asked me if I'd go with her. And I was like, sure, as a 12-year-old kid. That's, right, you get to travel. I get to travel. And I, well, I mean, I never thought about traveling because I grew up in a small town where no one leaves. Oh, okay. But that's when the bug hit me uh, when I went and I saw the world outside of my small world, very white community, very non-different people in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Went to India. <laughs> it was an experience that I'll never forget because, you know, there's a bajillion people in India and um, people just stand right next to you and go to the bathroom. <laughs> and so as a 12-year-old, not even comfortable with my own setup, I had to witness other people gotcha, and yeah. getting, you know, going to the bathroom. And so that was very interesting. And then my grandma spent a lot of time, like, showing me, like, here's the women going to the well, like the Bible stories. And, you know, oh, great, grandma, cool. You know, mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. Like... Still just very turned off, but mm-hmm. um, not that I was like turned off to the truth. I just didn't care, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the catalyst, I think, to where God started really pounding and and like wanting, wooing me, as Matt Chandler would say, mm-hmm. wooing me back to, to himself. And so, but of course, came home uh, from India changed because my worldly view was changed and uh, it was no longer just McDonald's and, you know, people that look like me, there's other people in the world. And so um, that really challenged who I was as a person and what I wanted to do. And um, when I got into middle school, that was middle school, but middle school is where I was introduced to pornography. And that, that I think 
that tainted everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I, but you know, when you're not a Christian, you don't know, um, you don't really believe in, you believe a God exists, but you don't know the savior and the the gospel of Jesus. Then, you know, things that are enticing you dive into. So mm-hmm. started looking at pornography when I was in seventh grade with uh, one of my friends, we watched videos all the time. Um, Started smoking weed, <laughs> probably even before that. I think I started smoking weed younger than that. But um, yeah, really, I didn't really get into heavy drugs. I think weed was the only thing I really did. Um, I did acid once, but that was I didn't like it. I'm a black and white logical person, mm-hmm. so like I like boundaries and I like consistency. And so when I would do anything that would create a non-consistent mind frame, I would really struggle and I was super paranoid about everything. And so, um, I never really liked it, but I liked doing things with people because I liked the community of it. And so I was really drawn to the community, not so much the effect of the drug. And so that was, that was a weird time for me trying to figure that out. But, um, and then when I was 15, I broke my leg and I, like I wrecked a moped and that really slowed me down because like, um, I've been a musician most of my life. Um, I started playing drums when I was 10 or 11 and, uh, play like that was my God. I did. That's all I did. I played mm-hmm. drums all the time. And so I went to, you know, I got into the high school band as a 13 year old, uh, in the drum line and one of the first to do that. And, um, and that was how I defined myself. That was my identity. Got I you. found I found out who I was by where I where I, my placement was in regards to people understanding how good of a drummer I was. Um, and then the drum line. There's a lot of guys in the drum line that introduced me to different types of pornography. That uh, wasn't just like the the late night thing on uh, Showtime where it was just there. What you didn't see much, but it was the the more graphic mm-hmm. stuff. And so, um, really dove into that hard in high school. Um, but then kind of, it was weird. It's like I, right after high school, I graduated and I went to this program. Oh, hang on. I, I skipped a step. I need to go back. Um, right in the middle of high school, I was involved in a car accident, uh, which is probably, I really think God's wake up call in my life. Okay. Um, I hit the windshield of my mom and I were driving down the road and, uh, someone basically head on collision and I hit the windshield at 70 miles an hour and, went home that night. Wow. And wow. so, I mean, I had some lacerations and, uh, three plastic surgeries to get to where I'm at now, but, um, I didn't have a concussion and have broken bones or anything like that. So, um, but that, I really feel like that was the moment because the youth pastor that my mom's church had came over to my house. He was brand new, just got hired. And, uh, he thought like I had almost been decapitated or oh, something. Man. Oh, man. And so, yeah. you know, he was freaking out having to come to my house. This kid just got in a car accident, smashed his face and, Shows up and like, yeah, it was it was gr- gruesome. There was a lot of blood and stuff, but it wasn't like your head was still on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my head was still on. No stitches around the neckline, so um, he was pretty cool. And then he was super intentional, okay. um, just always involved and just getting me to do things with the group. And so I started going to church. Then still didn't really believe, um, or at least didn't confess to believe. But I hung out with everyone. I really enjoyed it. I liked boundaries, mm-hmm. and so. You know, and it was a very legalistic church. Sure. So it was easy to, you know, oh, I'm doing right. I'm not a bad person because I'm doing these things. And so, um, and then he took me to like a Christian teen convention thing. And um, 
and I, I felt like the the speaker was talking about how he was in a car accident and got this was God's wake up call. And I was like, oh, this You're is like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, like this is <laughs> yeah. me. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, went up front and said the prayer, not knowing really what that meant, but um, said the prayer that I did believe that Jesus was real mm-hmm. and I believed in God. I, w- I feel like I've always believed in God, um, but Satan believes in God. That's right. the reality is that right, it's like, right. that's not enough. Like right. you have to believe in the son. So, um, so I learned about Jesus, started going to church a lot more often, but it was super legalistic. So everything I did was based on legalism. I don't drink. I don't smoke anymore. I don't have sex before marriage, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't cuss. And, and that made me a Christian mm-hmm. and that's what I thought was right. And so I started beating the crap out of people with that legalism gotcha. um, instead of, the grace and hope of Jesus, I always just beat them down. And so when I graduated high school, I was this Bible thumper in a sense. <laughs> and, um, and then I didn't want to go to college. I never really wanted to go to college. Um, plus my high school counselor told me I was not really the smartest guy to go to college. <laughs> not, he's like, I don't, I don't Thanks, think Ken. you're smart enough to go to school. So, which I was like, sweet. I don't have to go now that <laughs> my counselor told me I don't have to. So, um, graduate college, started looking around. I was in a, a million different bands, punk rock bands, mm. blah, blah, blah. And that was community. Again, That was, I loved the community of it. And um, something happened where I was, I applied to go to this, some missionary came and talked at this church I was uh, attending in Greenwood, Indiana. And uh, it was with a group called YWAM. And they were in Australia, and I was like, "Yeah, man, this this sounds exactly right up my alley." Not, I didn't know anything about YWAM. I just knew that like I wanted to do something, and I felt the call to missions. Um, and so I like signed up, like right there, like give me the paperwork, and was ready to go down under. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. didn't know anything about Australia <laughs> or anything. So signed up with YWAM and. Um, but didn't end up going. My grandma came to me and said, I, there's this another program that just came through our church and I really feel like God is telling me to tell you to go here. And uh, so I was like, oh, okay, let's look into it. And um, I met with like the director person and uh, I was like, how much is it to go? And he was like, oh, it's, a, it's this cost. And I had just received like one payment from my settlement for my car accident. Mm-hmm. And it was like the exact amount. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, this is the way it's mm. supposed to go. So I went, and uh, which is where I met Andy's parents, um, Chuck and Becca Lehman. They were, it was a program called Deeper Discipleship Training Institute. We did um, a couple weeks of in-class training, spiritual disciplines, very, very, very brief view of like Greek and Hebrew <laughs> and intro to Old Testament and um, just a lot of training. And then we went and did like five or six, what was it? five or six weeks out on the road and we just visited different missionaries or different church plants and other things. And some really cool stories come from that. Um, Jonathan and Jared were the other guys in this group with me and there was four of the girls. And uh, when we were going throughout America, like we ended up going to a Filipino house church in, in New York and uh, Jared's best friend from high school passed away while we were there. Oh, oh wow. He had a heart condition. Yeah. And, um, Jared is this, he's my be- one of my best friends now. <laughs> At the time, he was really difficult because he's <laughs> a, lot, a lot slower pace, and I'm a very fast-paced person, an impatient. I'm an impatient person, and um, and so the Lord sent me people like Jared to to kind of you know iron sharpens iron type of thing, and um, so I had to we had to tell Jared um, 
we were like, your dad needs to call you. And Jared's from Massachusetts. And so Jared learns that his friend passed away and Jared doesn't know how to deal with it well. And so like we're in the middle of this Filipino house church and Jared just runs outside in the middle of the Bronx. It's like 830 at night and just screams. Oh. <sighs> just screaming like crazy, snot running down his face, sobbing his eyes out. And this drunk guy passes and sees Jared screaming and walks up and like puts his hand on his back and like grabs the snot off his face and flings it off under the ground and wipes his face off. And like, what's wrong with this guy? And we're like, he just found out his best friend died and blah, blah, blah. And then you could tell he was this blitzed he was gone he was just just, i mean he was a young guy probably in early 20s um i just i don't know where he was from but um so he starts asking like what is this place and and your dad goes it's church you should come in and be with us and and the guy came in wow and uh jared i took jared down in the basement like shoved his face in the pillow because he was screaming (laughs) i was like trying to keep him quiet as best i could and this guy came in and heard the truth and like I don't know if it was real or not, but he heard the truth, like walked up and was like, I am, I am screaming on the inside like that guy is screaming on the outside. Mm-hmm. And so even in like the turmoil of Jared's grief, it was a way that God used to bring him into it. And so I pray that the, you know, that really planted a seed and that he came to the yeah, Lord. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so throughout deeper, um, you know, we went around and then we did four and a half months in a foreign culture. And so Jared and John and I lived in the Czech Republic for almost five months. And, um, that was very, very hard, uh, to live with two other guys in a country where you don't speak the language. Uh, Czech is probably the second hardest language in the, in the world. And, um, it took me all five months to learn how to say the number four and I still can't say it right. <laughs> um, but uh, Czech people are very closed off. They don't talk. You get on the foreigners are the ones on the metros and the buses that are talking. Like yeah. Czech people don't. Yeah. Um, but there's a code and an ethic code that's in ingrained in that culture where like if you know an older woman or an older man comes in, you get up and give them your seat. If a mom's getting on with like her pram or a stroller, yep. then you help her get it on there and you give her your seat and like that was. But no one says anything. They just do it. Um, and so we're like learning Czech. I'm like holding this book and I'm saying these words, trying to learn as much as I can. It was impossible to learn, to be honest. For five months, I wasted my time because I, <laughs> I could. I don't have the mouth to say some of the words. But so I'm saying it, and this little old lady came up and she starts talking and she starts pointing and she would say it, which is huge because oh, like yeah. they don't. They don't like they're, you know, they used to be a communist country. And so, you know, you just keep to yourself, you mind your own business. And so that was uh, just cool to see how God was working that way. Um, Fast forward a little bit. um, While we were there in the Czech Republic, um, the missionary's wife was deaf. And so I started learning sign language because I've always interested in sign language. Um, When my parents split up, I feel like I had a psychological something happen in my brain and I couldn't hear. Mm. Um, I didn't lose my hearing. I just lost the ability to hear properly. And I, and I don't know how to explain it any other way. Like it's almost like tunnel vision, but with hearing. With the, okay. So I could hear directly outside of me, like right straight. But if you were standing in front of me or behind me, it sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. The gotcha. you know? um, so I started learning sign language and um, with her. And got pretty good at it and decided, oh, maybe I'm supposed to go into missions or into the ministry with deaf people. So I started looking at 
you know, colleges and stuff like that. Cause now I wanted to go to college for some reason. And I was like, well, I should go to a Christian college. You know, that's great. Um, and the supporting or the Indian church that my grandpa supported the missionaries that were there, their daughter, shiny, shiny law. She was at Ozark Christian college and I knew of her and it's the only Christian college I knew of besides KCC, which is where John went. The guy that was in my group who left because he hated the legalism of it. Gotcha. <laughs> so um, he had some, some bitterness there. And, um, and so I didn't want to go there. And um, so I was like, Oh, well maybe I'll apply for OCC and signed up and got accepted. Cause I had a pulse and they accept anyone basically. Um, <laughs> and um, so I went to OCC, did a two year stint there learning sign language, very involved in the deaf community. Um, but that is where pornography stepped back in okay. and heavily. Um, my first semester, I was a very emo kid. You know, I had like the, I have bright blonde hair and I had this like black streak, almost like a <laughs> reverse skunk. Gotcha. And uh, I was in an emo band and screaming for an emo band. And it was, oh, emo. Yeah. The long bangs, you flip over and Justin Bieber flip. And, um, and I just, I was alone. Um, I didn't really have real community. My roommate and I were really, really close friends, um, but not like surface. It was very surface. Gotcha. And so, and the, the dorm parent of OCC, that of the, the dorm I was in, was not a very kind person. Um, he wanted us to call him dad with his last name, and I'm not going to say it because I don't want to defame him or anything like that, but... Um, I was like, oh, you're not my dad. I'll never call you that. Like, right. Cause I'm a black and white logic person. And like, and you're like, not my dad. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. not it's my a dad. little weird. So it's a little uh, weird. It's, it's so Mr. You, um, yeah. I will call you Mr. And that's enough. But, uh, he had this like speech the first night of like gang of America. Um, men are piercing their ears and dyeing their hair and painting their fingernails. And like, I'm sitting there with, with all that, of yeah. the above. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so I was really confused and not really offended, but just kind of like, like that's rude. You know, right, like yeah. that, who are you to say this? To right. Me? Like, yeah. um, so, uh, started a really good, uh, bitterness train there in Ozark. And then, so alone, bitter, um, confused about church, never prepared myself for college. Like I'd never written a paper before. And so like now I'm in college and like, they're like, okay, you have a, 10 page paper due by the end of this semester. And like, I'd never heard about a syllabus and I'm like looking at all this crap. Like I'm never, uh, what I'm never going right. to get done. Like how? those are all ingredients that make for a recipe yeah. for pornography. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. You're yeah. like overwhelmed, right. extremely tired. Cause you're doing all nighters. You're trying to figure out who you are as a, as a young person and you're free from any kind of authority with your, at least a parental authority. And so, um, you're alone a lot, and and so pornography really hit home um hard really just nailed me and so i felt this call to repent to everyone so i told my roommate i was like hey dude i'm struggling you know the the christian guy chat i'm struggling with this and he's like oh yeah me too and actually i don't think he even said that um he was like oh man that stinks and that's where it ended. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay um so we had like these dorm meetings like little devos dorm devos and we had the floor one with just, there was three floors on mine. And so I told all them, Hey guys, I need to confess. Like I, I'm, I'm struggling really difficult, like in this deep hole with pornography. I need some help. Can you guys help me? And 
no one. Like there was, it was like crickets and, and I was confused because I, I didn't know how to handle it. So I went to the uh, dean of boys at the school. Actually, no, I went to a couple professors first and I was like, hey, I, I, I need some help. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, you know, like I know I'm being prepared for ministry, but my sin is hard to deal with yeah. and I don't know how to get rid of Like it's an addiction. It's not like, oh, I messed with this once or twice. Like it's, right. it's a continual pattern, a habit. And, um, and whenever I get sad, happy, hungry, sleepy, like it's like, it's always on the front, forefront of my mind. So, and the professor's like, oh man, you're going to have to like reach out to your dorm, some guys in your dorm. I was like, yeah, I did that. No one, no one said anything. And like, we're just, we're just too busy. Like we don't have time. So I went to the Dean of Boys and said, Hey, I need some help. And he was like, Um, it'd probably be best if you just left the school. And I was what? like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, why? And he was like, Well, we can't really have that here. Um, I was like, You're meaning to tell me I'm the only one in this school that struggles with this? Um, I find that hard to believe. Like I'm not I know I wasn't a believer the beginning part of my life, but I know that I'm not the only one with internet access right. uh, by myself. So like, tell me that I'm the only one here that struggles with this or like, how are you preparing people at this school to deal with people in their church later on in life that deal with this? Cause I feel like it's going to get more and more. Um, Newsflash. Lots of people struggle with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and the, and stat, I, the stats are out. That's not <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. um, so needless to say, I was angry. Um, hurt by the the so-called church that I was a part of or people preparing people to go to church. I didn't really have a church in Ozark because I was involved in deaf ministry. So I was going to different churches and interpreting and that was a part of my schooling and I had to do that. Um, and I had a really bad breakup, a girl that I was really, I like I was going to propose to and she broke up with me and that was hard. So just right. <laughs> fuel to the flame, you know? Um, so I left, I went home. And uh, went to a factory, third, second, third shift, you know, more alone time. Right. <laughs> Just really, really piling on the layers <laughs> right. of isolation and sadness and yeah. loneliness. And, and and I thrive in community yeah. and I just couldn't find it. So I went back to my hometown, which I left because I felt like it was very narrow minded and didn't have a lot of um, eclectic views on other people. Mm-hmm. Now it's grown since I since I've been gone. I can tell that there's definitely a different cultures and different people there. But um, so I went back and didn't find help. It was it was really hard. I just continued to struggle, um, and it really became a point where I was just like I was just floundering, and I finally just kind of gave up, and stopped trying to ask for help um, because I never got it. Right, and so I was like, why why do I ask for help? Like, why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again, asking for help? No one helps, and I'm still alone. So, like, what's the point of asking anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, but then it stopped. Like, I had, like, this season of no desire. But I, I didn't have a desire for anything. So, mm-hmm. it didn't matter what it was. Like, gotcha. I didn't, yeah. And I was working third shift, second, third shift, mandatory, overtime of Palooza, at a factory where you do the exact same thing, monotonous for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours with people that are drones and um, don't care about anyone. And and so I got really into a dark place. Like this company I was working for, 
I, I literally told a woman to never speak to me ever again because I couldn't stand the sound of her voice. <laughs> um, I was in a bad place. And then John from Deeper, um, that program I did right after high school, called me and was like, uh, you, you don't sound right. He knew me well enough to know that even on the phone I didn't sound right. And so he goes, I want you to come down to Louisville and spend the weekend. I was like, okay. So your parents were down there um, running a – Andy's parents were down there running this like – I don't remember what it was called when they were down there. Rest Ministries? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it Rest Ministries down there too? I think so, yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if it had a different name. but um, So I signed up to like – I called them. I was like, can I come stay with you? I need like a silence and solitude retreat where like I don't have access to anything, just some spiritual care. Right. And um, they're like, yeah. And then they came around to sign us up for overtime. Gotcha. <laughs> and I was like, mm, yeah, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I quit. And I just threw my name badge yeah. in their face and walked out, which was – awesome but and by the way my parents run a like a retreat ministry for personal and pastoral retreats and stuff and so that's where yeah the rest of ministries is their thing so that's what yeah he's talking about yeah yeah yeah. so um went down there quit my job (laughs) didn't have anything in place like the first time i ever quit a job without having something lined up but went down there and spent the first like day just basically just sleeping and resting um, but not speaking. And then John showed up the next day and brought his guitar and we like sang and Jonathan kind of taught me how to play guitar and sing and um, just had a really good time and then decided that I needed to move down there. Jonathan got me a job, moved to Louisville um, and then went to Sojourn Community Church and uh, got involved with Cassie uh, at a community group. And this whole time, like Jonathan kind of popped my bubble my Christian bubble when I first met him. So the, I forgot to mention that when I went to deeper, you know, he was listening to like Dave Matthews band one day and I was like, how can you listen to this as a Christian? And, uh, (laughs) and he went off the handle on me and like, who told you that if I listen to this, that doesn't make me a Christian and really helped me understand the truth Mm -hmm. of the gospel and the freedom of the gospel and not fences placed around the gospel. And so I'm very grateful and in debt to him for that because, well, not to him, but yeah, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So went to Louisville, went to Sojourn, um, still very confused, um, still very uh, not understanding all of the truth of the gospel. I'd never heard anything outside of just Christian. So like denominations didn't make sense to me. Sure. And so Cassie and I started dating and like, it wasn't even like a week, like we, we hung out for like, it's a, it's another story about us getting together. But when we, when I actually officially asked her to be my girlfriend, it was about a week after we started talking about, um, sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we went to Sojourn, which is a Southern affiliated church, reformed theology. And, uh, and so I said something about losing my salvation because I I had heard about it through the other church, the legalism church. And, uh, she was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> um, and so she almost broke up with me <laughs> because I didn't, she's like, are you not reformed? I was like, what is reformed? She's like, are you a Calvinist or Arminius? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. God bless you. Did you just <laughs> yeah. sneeze? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And like, we went to the same church and like, I love the teaching of the reformed mm-hmm. theology, but I didn't know that there was a difference. Like I just thought, gotcha. Oh, this guy knows how to teach the word. And the other guy was kind of a schmuck and didn't, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, but I got introduced to like Reformed theology and started falling in love with Reformed theology and uh, just theology in itself. Like I didn't even know 
that that was a thing. Like I didn't sure. grow up in a that type of realm. Even at Ozark, I didn't learn about. But I also probably wasn't in the right place to learn. Sure, sure. So they might they they teach theology at Ozark for sure. I mean, <laughs> they're sending out pastors all the time, so they have right, to teach yeah. something. <laughs> um, but uh, I was just not in the right place. So with that, Cassie and I get married. She knows all about my struggles. We get help with premarital counseling, pre-engagement counseling. I had someone intentionally every day call me, sure. helping me through that, and um, went. <laughs> heaps of time like over a year with not looking at anything not it's like marriage didn't fix it for all of you who think that marriage is going to fix your pornography addiction it's not um the reality is is your heart wants what it wants and if you don't fill your cup with the right thing then eventually you're going to have the storm that god talks about in uh, i think it's matthew i don't remember exactly where it's at but that storm that's coming and if you're mm-hmm. if your house isn't built on the rock or the or if it's built on the sand mine was still on sandy surfaces and so when the storm came which wasn't like this huge like negative thing um just something took a hold and i got into it again gotcha. and then i had to confess to my wife which that was great let me just tell you how that was terrible um cuz in comparison i mean <clears throat> So Matthew seven, by the way, uh, (laughs) it's, it's interesting to say that because I just gave a staff devotional the other day on that. And it was, uh, the whole point was, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Jesus does not say if the storm comes, it's when, when, right. But when, when. and so there is a sense of, uh, being grounded and prepared for when that comes. But I, I just have to imagine that you've already taken these steps previous, previously, to to address this issue in in community with other men mm-hmm. and now the shift i'm just going to say the conversation with wife has got to be even 10 times harder a thousand yeah the, the issue is that or actually the the grace that happened was that during our dating season i told her i was like here's your chance to get out right. yeah <laughs> you know, right. like right. hey right. here's my deepest darkest secret right. if i'm gonna marry you you better know this and um but it doesn't make it any easier no. though when you have to say i failed at this yeah. again yeah yeah so like at that time when i told her i was you know pre-engagement counseling and like i was finding victory and it wasn't a struggle and then all of a sudden i had to come to her and tell her again like hey i i gave in um and something that I haven't shared yet was that during my life with my, my dad has been, my dad's a phenomenal father, just a good dude. He won, he works hard. Great example of what it takes to be a leader, or at least a, a, a leader in financially providing and taking care of his home. But he wanted to be my buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's played into some things in my life where like um, I have, my addiction to pornography is also partnered with an addiction to same sex attraction mm-hmm. um, with older men like my dad's age. Um, and I want to make it very clear. Like I never, right. I never want to have sex with my dad, but mm-hmm. right. um, when I, when I struggled, it was always with feeling like I wanted to make a connection. Yeah. Um, and so that connection was really something that I desired with older men and it wasn't even ever a sexual thing even now like today like i desire to have wisdom shared with me and life guidance right and um that's better than surface level yeah um and i even told my dad recently like dad like can we have 
a, re- a relationship that's past surface. Like I want to know what you struggled with when you were growing up. Yeah. You know, like what things did you hate things that you loved things that hurt your feelings you know like i don't know these things about you Mm -hmm. like you were a great dad you provided for us we had a great we always had good food like a welcoming home even through the divorce you know my dad wouldn't speak bad about my mom yeah like he was a great dude and he still is like i haven't but there is some kind of disconnect being his only son and not having a lot of time with him by myself Mm -hmm. that has caused me to desire that connection which has then led me into a pornography addiction, which didn't start with even a gay pornography. It was more of like just when I was young, just intrigued, trying to figure it out. But then it eventually morphed into that because I realized there was something missing. Sure. And so, um, and having a black and white brain, logical brain, where I just I see data and information and numbers and, and rhythms and, and patterns. Um, it was really hard for me to have a, and still is, have a relationship with God that seems real because he's not right in front of me. Mm, mm, you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like, how do you know, how does this guy have such a good relationship with God? Like, I can't hear his voice and I can't see him. Right. right? I mean, it's really easy to have a relationship with somebody who's right in front of mm-hmm. you because you can have that feedback and, you know, that give and take and things like that. But yeah, it is, that's tough. It is. And it's still a struggle. It's still really hard. Um, but as I work through this, you know, like it took, I, I didn't tell anyone about my same sex attraction for a long time. Um, I think it was right before I left Louisville. I told Jonathan, my best friend and, and just like, I don't really know why I want this. And it's not like, like there's a specific thing. And I just listened to a podcast the other day that this guy talks about like men who struggle with pornography, like really need to understand like, what are they typing in their search bar? Mm. Because not that they want you to go search it, but like right. there's something that's deeply rooted in the words you use to specifically look up something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that, that's something that hit home to me. Like, what is it about that specific age group? And, and I don't know. So still trying to figure that out. I don't sure. have answers for <laughs> yeah. you guys. So, yeah. um, but you know, I went through when we moved I guess a big portion of our life that I haven't mentioned yet is our time in New Zealand. We went to New Zealand um, as missionaries. I was a worship pastor and I got, to, I learned how to preach, which was freaking awesome. I love it and didn't know I wanted to even learn how to do that. Started reading like systematic theology, which at first, if you've ever seen Wayne Grudem's systematic theology book, it's huge. It's fat and uh, larger than the Bible. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that's intimidating. I'll never read that, (laughs) you know? And then I picked it up one day and read like one section. It's not written like where you read it from front to back. You can read it in sections, which helped me. But um, during that time, we had a lot of attack on our family. Um, And attacks always bring that desire to just escape. And so during our time in New Zealand, um, Cassie, when we moved there, she was 28 weeks pregnant with our second son. And um, we had an emergency C-section because our second son um, had the cord wrapped around his neck three times. And um, when her water broke, it like noosed him. And so emergency C-section, never, you know, we always had these plans of like natural birth, blah, blah, blah. And don't cut the umbilical cord for like 30 minutes. You know, all these things that you read about and... um, and it was like life or death, like we got to get him out. And so they cut her open and get him out. And he's as blue as a ballpoint pen. Um, 
And then we learned later that like he was he, like he failed his Apgar, like he was not yeah. breathing. Yeah. Um, but we didn't learn that till much much later. Um, so a week after he was born, we're at home, and then Cassie like just almost looked like she was getting ready to pass out. She's holding Thalen, and uh, she just like laid her head back. She was like, "I need you to take the baby." I was like, "Okay," and I put him down on the floor on this like blanket, and I'm looking at her. I was like, "What's wrong?" She's like, "Something's wrong with my heart," and I was like. Well, like what? And she's like, it's beating so fast. I feel like my, my cell phone's vibrating in my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I tried to take her pulse and it was just like flying. It was just beating so fast, like a drum roll. So I call the emergency, to, you know, like 911 and told him to come to our house. And um, I literally thought I was going to watch her die in front of me. Like she was blacking out, not not doing well (laughs) and Liam's sitting there going, is mommy going to die? Is mommy going to die? And that was, that's terrible as a dad to have to, and you can't do anything. You're like, you're literally just sitting there like, Hey, we'll just sit here and I love you. I'm, you know, like, and then I'm like, what am I going to do? Like all these things just like flood your head. Um, they get there and they're like break an ice pack, put it on her neck. And all of a sudden her heart just goes back into rhythm. Uh, but then they go to the hospital. We were there all day and, they're running tests, and they're like, well, we think you passed a blood clot through your heart and lived. Wow. Jeez. So that was a little bit traumatic. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Needless to say, a little bit traumatic. So when we got pregnant the third time, I went into complete sh- panic because, like, we've always decided that we were going to just let the Lord handle how many kids he wanted us to have. Uh, we weren't going to put like, oh, we want two and we're done, that kind of thing. Just let the Lord handle it. And um, so we got pregnant again, and Clara was, you know, we got pregnant with Clara, and I went into freak-out mode thinking, well, what's going to happen to you this time? Yeah. Am I going to lose right. you? or yep. Am I going to lose the or are we gonna lose the baby? And and then at 20 weeks, we found out that Clara had a cleft lip. And, like, I was, I was holding Thalen and trying to hold on to Liam running around, and... Um, I'm watching the ultrasound and I see like they go right over her face and I see this big gaping hole and I'm like, is that a cleft? Like I'd read about them before, but I didn't know much about them. And, uh, and of course the like person, the ultrasound tech was like, Oh, well I'll have to send it over to the other people. They can't say anything. You know, they're not allowed to say anything, but like you could clearly see that there was this big hole. Um, and so that was like, it took the wind out of my sails. Like not only am I scared for my wife, mm-hmm. now my daughter's going to have, you know, like you just don't know. Right. You don't know what to expect with the club. Well, and because, we, we have, we share that in similar because yeah. we had our, um, we had a baby pass in stillbirth and then our next one after that, same thing. Not even like six months after we had ours. Right. You guys, and yeah. And so then our youngest Hattie had a cleft lip and palate too. So it was like, I remember that day too. You're like, you're scared already because the pregnancy, you don't know if, you know, everything's going to be okay in the pregnancy. Yeah. And then you find this out and you're like, uh, yeah. And then they're trying to tell us there was all these other, the possible, like they wanted to do one of those things where like they uh, shove a needle in and take cells Blue, out. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but you know, there's such a, it's a dangerous procedure and they want, right. they think there was other issues going on. And so, so I'm scared to death, um, not knowing what to expect. Then you read everything on the internet, which is the worst way to go. Um, because you read all yeah, the people. <laughs> yeah. Don't read it. <laughs> and so we're like, Oh, she's going to come out. She's not going to be able to breathe. She's not gonna be able to eat. She's not gonna be able to do this, 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 and this. She might be deaf. She might be. And then like, so then I'm like, okay, then maybe this is why I learned sign language a long time ago. Cause I'm going to have a deaf baby. Like, right. this, like, so my brain starts playing all these things and 
Claire's born, she's normal size, um, but she has a cleft. And it was a lip and palate, but it was a unilateral, which means just the one side. Um, and it was connected still inside, just not fully. Gotcha. And so there's babies that are born with like no roof of their mouth mm, and like yep. completely no lip in between the two cleft sides. And so um, we were very fortunate. Um, but Claire did not eat well. And so you, we had like this Frankenstein bo- a bottle that we made from like a Dr. Brown's and a, I don't remember, pigeon. And like there's all these bottles that you can get for like babies that struggle to eat to help them not taking a lot of air. You know all these things. Right, yep. Um, not taking a lot of air and because they get really bad um, upset stomachs because the, the cleft, it makes it hard for him to eat. Claire would not eat. And we literally just had to squeeze the bottle down her throat. Um, for, I mean, Cassie was the only person on planet Earth that could get her to finish a bottle. And um, Cassie willed her to live for the first year. And so through that first year, Clara had her you know, first surgery uh, for her lip. And it's weird when you put your kid down to, for a surgery. Absolutely. And yeah. it, it, it mm-hmm. does something to you. Yeah, uh, it really does something. So right before Clara was born, I forgot to mention this. Liam looks up at us and says, "My throat hurts." And like I look down, and like I see this ball. Like, did you swallow a like a bouncy ball or something? <laughs> and I'm like feeling it squishy. And and socialized medicine has its perks, but it also has its downfalls. And so we get Liam in. We think it's a thyroglossal cyst. Okay, we'll get you in the system. Six months later. It's getting bigger. Yep. Haven't heard anything. So we call the doctor and they're like, oh, he's not even on the schedule. And we're like, what? Like, he needs to be on the schedule. Like, And so they move us to the Wellington Hospital in New Zealand, which is the big hospital. And uh, we go that next week and um, see the doctor. And he's like, okay, we need you guys to come back in four weeks. We'll get this thing removed. And we're like, uh, we're having a baby in four weeks. Uh, scheduled C-section, like it's like it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Like it's not like oh, we might have a baby in two weeks, but no, it's like we know exactly the date. <laughs> um, and so um, we uh, Liam had to go in for surgery two weeks before. Like the the day we went and saw the doctor, the next day it blew up. Like it was sh- probably the size of like um, I don't know, a, a good size bouncy ball. But then the next day it blew up to the size of like an oversized golf ball. Oh, wow. It was huge. And, um, and it'd been in there for now seven months. Okay. So we call, I send pictures to him. I was like, something's got to change. We got to get this in. So so, he calls, he's like, someone canceled. Can you come in tomorrow? We're like, yeah. He's like, don't feed him after midnight, that whole spiel. Well, in New Zealand, kids come in, they're the first served because they're the youngest. They can't deal with, you know, not eating for, yeah, but it's still based on age. So the youngest to oldest, well, Liam was almost four. Yeah. Was he four? I think he was four. So he's one of the oldest. So like he hadn't eaten since midnight. We get there at six thirty in the morning, and then it's almost two thirty now. And like we've been Man. sitting in the same room all day with like books. And like he's been such a good like he was so good. And like he didn't talk. Like he was just chill. Like I was like, did you guys drug him or something? Yeah, right. Like, but he was so good. Just sat there. And then and we when he went back, we had to hold him. And then they put him under in our arms. Mm. And I, I, I was like, I feel like I just watched him die. Like yeah, it literally yeah. felt like I just yeah. watched him die because he yeah. just went limp. And um, that was not good <laughs> to be a part of that situation. Um, 
And then they say, it's to be about two or three hour surgery. Okay. 20 minutes later, they come out and I'm like, what's, what's wrong? Yeah, what's wrong? Right. And yeah. like, they're like, well, it's so big that we had to clean it and remove all the junk out and we'll have to come back to do the follow, oh, follow wow. up in about two weeks. So like they cleaned it out and they shoved all this gauze on the inside. Oh of boy. It. it was disgusting. Oh, yeah. 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 So when we go to the like waiting or the recovery room, there's something about recovery rooms that I don't know if it's the smell or what, but like I get really weak, like lightheaded yeah. and I'm a pale person. As it is. <laughs> so like I walk in and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm just pale. But I was like, but I don't feel good. So I'm just going to sit down on the ground right here. And I was like, can I have some water? And like, there was just something. And then they like took the golf. Uh, <laughs> oh. So I just not, I'm not a medical person. Cassie like yeah. loves it. But um, so that happened. Then we went back. He had had such a big thyroglossal cyst that uh, it rubbed a hole in his pharynx. Uh-oh. So to fix his pharynx and his vo- like vocal cords and stuff like that, and it was awful. Then Claire's born with the cleft lip. Cassie's willing her to live. Um, Thalen, at that time, our second, had had such a respiratory issue that we thought he had cystic fibrosis. Mm. So we're just getting attacked left and yeah. right. I mean, yep. it's just left and right. Then we get pregnant again. And I was <laughs> like, Lord, please let this be it. Cause I'm going to lose my mind. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. Yeah. going to lose it. And, um, and then they said that there's something wrong with her fourth, that there was some kind of cyst in her brain and she had bowel loops that were backwards and she wasn't going to make it past <laughs> a certain time. And, oh gosh, it was, it was rough. Um, and then we decided to come like for us to get back we had to come back because our, our financial support was falling out and falling off. And then for us to apply for residency was a, it was like eight grand for us to apply. Wow. Um, but it was a big, maybe because of Clara's continual care. Gotcha. And so we were like, let's just go home. She needs better care. And plus the, the speech therapy in New Zealand and that, that system is completely broken. Um, it would have been, she would have been five before she saw her first speech therapist. Wow. And we were like, let's go home. So we went, we decided to go home told everyone we were coming home in December and then showed up on Thanksgiving day and no one knew we were coming. That's awesome. And we kept it a big (laughs) secret and it was awesome. We made a video of it. I remember seeing that video. It was cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And I can even give you the link so you can put in the show notes, but um, it was awesome just to surprise everyone. But what we didn't realize is that we had to process saying goodbye to people that we might not ever see again without letting anyone know back home that we were grieving. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they didn't know we were coming home so soon. Gotcha. And so we grieved silently in a way, and then got home. It was a big surprise. Everyone it, that that helped the excitement, but then once that excitement went away, the grieving happened again. Gotcha. And all the follow up of the PTSD that we uh, got from being in New Zealand and all the attacks on our kids, and I struggled to find a job and. You know, then we're home all the time. We're living with Cassie's mom, which I'm so thankful for her abilities to, you know, take us in. But um, things started coming back in, and I just I dove deep, and um, I was not in a good place. I got a job working in Lafayette, and um, I was in a deep place. And then I finally told Cassie's like something's not right with you. It's like yeah, I'm not okay. And I had to tell her again that I was deep in the yeah. hole, which felt like I kicked her right in the throat. Mm-hmm. My wife, my wife lives in a way she's like, I'm not surprised by your sin. Like that doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, what surprises me is that you didn't tell me like you didn't come to me and ask for help. That's I think what really hurts. Plus it, 
basically it's like committing adultery. Like right. people don't realize that. Like it yeah. is severe. It is a severe offense. Yeah. Um, so I went to biblical counseling for a while and like the biblical counseling at, uh, I went to faith. It's like the emergency room. Um, they really help you get through, get you bandaged up, stop the, <laughs> the bleeding. Sure, yeah. Um, and then they're like, if you're not a member of their church, they're like, you need to go to your primary care physician, gotcha. yeah, yeah, your own yeah. church. Right. Um, and so I went to my own church and told them what was going on. I confessed everything. I don't hold anything back anymore. Mm-hmm. I just share everything. And so, um, which is hard for some people. Um, they don't know how to deal with a heterosexual male that struggles with homosexual thoughts, sure. uh, never t- acting out on them, but still has them. And it's only in a very minute way. They don't know how to deal with that. Sure. And, um, so it's hard. It's hard to deal with that. Um, and then the PTSD of New Zealand really, and I, I know people don't like using that, that phrase, but we had some traumatic experience. Sure. Um, and yeah, I didn't go to war and you know, wasn't on the front lines, but like my kids were attacked. Yeah. You sure. know, I was yeah. attacked and, um, ministry is hard. <laughs> I I don't, if you're not in ministry, you have no room to say that it's not because it is hard. You're getting attacked by the evil ones all the time. Um, so if yeah, pray for your, pray for your leaders because they need them. Um, but yeah, uh, the Lord is kind and has brought me into a better place in the last uh, year. Um, I started, I go to a church called city of God in Lafayette. It's a young, it's 10 years old. Uh, we're about, I would say probably 900 strong when college is in session. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then when college is not in session, we're about four, maybe less than 400 people. And we set up and tear down every Sunday and at a school, which we're very thankful for, but, but set really, up and tear down is terrible. And it would be really nice to get our own place. We're really looking forward to looking for that someday. Um, but I'm a part of the, uh, the North American mission board has this program called the pipeline and there, our leadership is taking our leaders and I'm, I'm a city group leader and worship leader and whatever needs to be done person, you know, like I just kind of fit wherever needs and uh, they're taking us through that. And the first year is just about leadership and learning, you know, how to read the Bible, that kind of thing. And, um, and leadership. And then the last two years prepares people to become like elders or pastors or missionaries or church planners. And so I signed up for the three years and uh, plan on being there doing that for, the next three years and then uh, see where the Lord takes us from there. But yeah, it's a journey. Yeah, um, it is not like it, it never goes away. That's the one thing about if you don't have an addiction to pornography or an addiction in general, uh, it's really hard to fathom that it's always on your mind. Sure. So if uh, you're addicted to shopping, um, you're always thinking about buying something. If you're addicted to heroin, you're thinking about your next fix. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're happy or you're sad or, you're fiending for something. Um, and unfortunately for me, it's uh, pornography addiction. Um, I just have an addictive personality. If I like something, I like it. Yeah, like coffee. All I'm, in. I'm all in. Like I learn every gram measurement and <laughs> hot water temperature and coffee that I can. Um, that's kind of some of my hobbies, but yeah, I don't know. There's That's a, that's a gist. I, that's a long gist, but that's me. So what would you say, like for our listeners who may be struggling with either a pornography addiction or just any other addiction in general, but specifically let's talk about pornography addiction because yeah. that's something that you're dealing with here. What would you say would, would be some action items that they could take to, to help get yeah. out of that? 
I don't have a special formula, right. but I do know that... Well, uh, and everyone's going to be different. Right, yeah. right. Um, but I do know that community is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Transparency. I, I think the, the hardest thing for... Like when you get a group of guys together, first kind of group of guys time together with new dudes, assume that someone there is looking at pornography. And so if you're not willing to talk about your own struggle... Neither are they. Yeah. And so like, I'm always the first person like, Hey guys, uh, I have an addiction to pornography. So, um, I need you to know that. So like if I call out, um, I have this thing that I learned during biblical counseling, I have stages. So like stage one is Mm -hmm. like saw something and it triggered me to think about something. And, um, just, I just need you to start praying for me. Mm -hmm. Stage two is, is like, Hey, um, I'm really feeling the, the pull, you know, and uh, stage two can be the the optimum stage for you to call someone and say, I need some help. Pray for me. Let's meet up for coffee. Flee. Flee from wherever run, you're run, at. Run, Turn yeah. off your internet. Throw it out the window. I don't care what you have to do. Um, stage three is you're planning. Like you, you've already committed it almost. You're planning. You're scheming. You're trying to figure out when people aren't going to be around. Um, and stage four is you've, you've completed the whole thing. Um, so find some dudes. Uh, this is not a dude problem only. This is right. definitely a female problem as well, especially prevalent in this day and age um, with cell phones the way they are. Um, kids are exposed to pornography by age seven, um, even earlier, I think now. But um, so for a dad, I don't let my kids go around when other kids have cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm like, hey, um, you can't be inside. Like, you guys have to play outside. Um, and if they have a cell phone, I'm like, hey, you need to put your cell phone away. Like, if they come over to our house, like, you can't use your cell phone here um, unless you're calling your parents. Because some kids, they'll, neighbor kids come over and they have, like, unlimited access to whatever they want on the internet on a phone. And I'm like, nope, not yeah. allowed. Um, so do know that exposure is a lot higher. And uh, But for dudes specifically struggling with this or girls struggling with this, um, find people to be transparent with. <clears throat> Let them know. Yeah. Um, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It sucks to have to tell someone that you're struggling with something because sexual sin, I think people put on a higher pedestal than like um, gluttony or materialism. Um, they think it's worse, mm-hmm. which is a, a lie from the pit of hell. Right. But the reality is, is that we see those things as different. And so um, you need to be transparent. The more clear and the more transparent you are about specifics, the better care you can receive sure so if you're vague like hey guys i struggled looking at pornography last week once you know it was midnight but if you're like hey um i looked at pornography like five times this week and every time i went i looked at this specific thing that gets hard to say one that's really hard to say but then because then you have to completely be transparent about what you're looking for um and if you have guys mature enough in your group that can help walk through it then you have a you have a chance of uh, getting some actual help, present help sure. in front of you. Um, the Lord and the Holy Spirit do things. They they definitely work um, to help you through that. But I definitely think that God sends people into your life to help you for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, really searching out, like I said, what are you typing in? Be clear about that. Um, I don't think it's always best to have your wife or your spouse as your accountability partner. Um, not that they shouldn't know, 
but to but hold you accountable to hold you accountable yeah. to talk about on a regular basis i yep. think it really is better to have someone that is of the same sex first of all um <laughs> that will help you through it because there's a point where they're gonna say you need to tell your your wife mm-hmm. um if it's to the point where you're not changing, you're not repenting and you're not getting the getting out of it, then you need to bring your wife and they're, they're going to tell you they should, they should mm-hmm. tell you your wife needs to get involved. Um, cause that makes it real. Yeah. That makes it hard. And right. dudes that don't have wives, the young guys that listen to this podcast, um, find older men, find guys that are married, um, that you can confide in find Cause I think what was that Dustin guy Dustin Carr Dustin Carr talked about like these these kids are trying to confide in someone their s- same age do you remember mm-hmm. that and yep. it was like mm-hmm. they're psychologically in the same place right. and they're like how are you going to give yeah. wisdom right. when right. you are in the same area so like find older people um, guys that are going to be able to give you wisdom um, and it doesn't have to be a pastor like it can be someone in your church. It can be someone that you see, um, you can ask and just say, Hey, I need someone. You're the closest person I know. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, can you be my yeah. wall? Yeah. That was yeah. the other thing yeah. we talked about yeah. in that podcast, the yeah. wall thing. Like, can you be that person for me that I can call at three o'clock in the morning when I'm struggling? Right. I just went to college, you know, like young college guys go to college. They have freedom to do whatever they want. They need it. Yeah. You know, guys that are going to college that leave this church or leave a church that you're a part of, you need to be in contact with them because yeah. they're going to go into a world where they don't want to call their parents and say, hey, right. I'm, I'm struggling, struggling with yeah. this, well, you know, like, and and where certain behaviors will be maybe even celebrate, like even celebrated or, or condoned, you know, and that's and that's the other thing that I, you know, that I think about. I, I'm. I, I think so often. So, you know, Andy and I, we have the constant conversation on show, off show, all of that. You know, uh, my wife and I'll, I'll own this. My wife, uh, you know, has this conversation with me the other day. Like, so our eldest son just turned 10 in November and like he, uh, he's, uh, he's like not five anymore. And you just wake up one day and you realize like, he's he's the like he's the age of the first time you know he's the same age the first time that i encountered like hey friend found the magazine in the, <laughs> right, in, right. the in the parking right, lot right. you know and oh hey and like and it's and on top of that the other thing um i'm not trying to uh, uh disparage uh you know uh after school transportation but the the bus ride home is like the den of iniquity <laughs> when cuz i because like we've got and this is Jackie and i talk about this all the time my son being in fourth grade, there are fifth graders with cell phones mm-hmm. on the bus that can have access to ha- what they want, have access to what they want. And I'm just like, that is, that is like the prevailing thought. I'm not trying to be fearful or like live in, live in this like paranoia, but like I know boys yeah. and it's I know our responsibility. Yeah. It's and, like, it's, right. and that's, and that's the thing. So when like my kids are asking like, when do I get a cell phone or whatever? Like we always have these conversations and I'm just like, I'm really trying to weigh you know, risk, risk reward and mm-hmm. in, in all of this. But like, I, I just, I wonder from your perspective, it's like, even as you, you know, you're raising, so you're, you've got a son who's, you know, nine, you know, mm-hmm. coming into this and you're like, they're not, they're not little, little anymore. And I know the first age of exposure to th- these sort of things is knocking on the door. Yeah. Um, 
how have you guys like because my guess would be that you have had like we need a game plan Mm -hmm. and i am like sure as heck going to do everything that i can do within my power there's a ton of other variables out there and this is where we have to like entrust our children to god ultimately because i can't be with them (laughs) i can't be with them every second i can't i can't screen every single friend i'd like to (laughs) uh but but uh you know what has been your guys's game plan to the best of your ability to say like we want a house we want a house that is mm, that we're doing the best to protect our to protect our kids from this sort of thing these kind of attacks and what is ultimately becomes a malformation of how they understand themselves their bodies yeah. you know i mean they're learning about sexuality either overtly or covertly yeah. now yeah. So, uh, yeah. What, what's been what's been the the discussion? Um, discussion is um, age appropriate discussions about you know puberty. Mm-hmm. You know, um, boys go through different stages. You know, waking up with you know a morning uh, sure. erection is yeah. uh, is something yep. that happens, and that can start early as six to you yep. know like you can start mm-hmm. early. Um, and that just, was the first awkward conversation <laughs> with my wife where she's like, is this normal? Yeah. 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 And like you literally like we just we don't sugarcoat things. Right. Uh, this is how we do it. Um, some other parents don't like it, but um, we tell we never call private parts anything but what their actual right. names are. Yep. Um, and it's just like anatomy yep. in a sense. And then as they get older, we start talking about like my nine year old. Well, first of all, we homeschool. Yep. Uh, my oldest son has sensory processing disorder, and so um, we didn't want to send our kids to public school because we feel like they would just be eaten alive. Mm, sure. um, and so, especially where we're at, so we decided homeschool. So that puts a level of protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also put strict boundaries, like we don't do sleepovers. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was a kid, I went to my friend's house and slept over. But that's when I got into things, right? Um, and so we don't have sleepovers. We don't have, like we don't let people come and sleep over at our house. It's mm-hmm. just too, too dangerous. You know yeah. what I mean? I just yeah. uh, um, so we uh, our kids sleep in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, no one has a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Cassie and I have a cell phone, but um, cell phones are going to be something that they will get when uh, they get a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have to pay for it themselves, mm-hmm. um, so they can be in contact with us. Yeah. Um, whenever they leave and stuff like that. And I think by the time my kids start driving, there's going to be things in cars, which will shut off cell phones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can use a GPS and that's it. Like <laughs> yeah. you can't even play music on them. I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's what I need to design. But um, yeah, I think that the level of protection is like, you know, I just gave Liam access to the computer, um, like his own personal account on our Mac and um, he can sign in and all he can use is like the notepad. Yeah, and I, like yeah. I write sentences on it, and I'm like copy that figure because yeah. I want him to learn how to type. Right, um, and he loves coding. Mm-hmm. He loves. He did a coding four yes. H yeah. thing. Yeah, and he loves it. Like I really think he's gonna like. That's just how his brain's yeah. format. But yeah, yeah. Um, open, honest conversations. Um, we don't sugarcoat. When the first time one of them asked about how babies uh, get here, yes. Um, we did the exp- explanation of how a baby is born. Yes. And they were all disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but we just, just like it's a r- normal thing. Yeah. Um, Cassie and I are affectionate in front of them. Yep. Um, we both believe that my role is to teach my daughters 
what to look for in a husband yep. um, and teach my sons how to be a husband. And then Cassie's role is to teach our sons what to look for in a wife mm-hmm. and uh, to teach our daughters what how to be a wife yep. or how to be a you know significant other. Um, yeah. So um, that's the stance we take. Uh, we're not perfect at it. <laughs> uh, we have four kids and there's days we're like, uh, it's six o'clock, go to bed. We need you to go upstairs and get away because, uh, yeah. you know, there's just, there's four of them. We get, yeah. we get ganged up on a lot. Um, but no, like our kids are, uh, you know, we just, we just, we put a, we want to protect them as much as we can, but there is a yep. time, you know, they go to cousin's house. Yep. Um, cousins have, cell phones yeah mm-hmm. you know i think that family is where it starts usually with cousins yeah to be honest um especially in like our group that's homeschooled and blah 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 uh, i think that that's where they'll get exposure because not everyone's homeschooled right our seven-year-old or eight i think he's actually he just turned nine our na- nine-year-old neighbor you know he goes to the public school and um I hear them talking. Yeah. You know, like I know kids forget that you're there <laughs> Yeah, and they say things and you're like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, watch out for that one. Yeah. And like, you know, they're online gaming and yep. stuff like that. And I know, yep. you know, there's just a lot of stuff. So, and people think we're really strict, but uh, like they're, <coughs> they'll ask like, uh, they'll try to hand my kid a phone to play a game. I'm like, mm, no, yeah. You know, like I want, I don't want my kids to play with the phone one because they all have addictive personalities like me. Yep. And so as soon as they play, they're like, they get ticked off when you take it away and they cry. And it's they, like, it's like Coke. It really it's is. Like, like, that's, and that's the thing. Like we had, we had, a, uh, this morning, thank goodness. My wife woke up in time. Cause I had my, I had my alarm set for this morning to get up and get going. My phone's missing this morning, uh, off my nightstand. And, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh no! And I'm not gonna shame whichever child it was, but <laughs> I like, I immediately I get up and go down, and it's like, it's like we've had this conversation so many times. Don't touch my phone if uh, there's been a, you know, every once in a while, it's like, hey, I need you to sit next to me right here, and uh, I have to talk with the doctor for the next ten minutes, and I it, sit here. Here, here's this game. I do that every on the, on the occasion, but the thing is, is that like as as soon as you go there, then it like yeah. th- it's just super like downhill from there on out, and it's something that we're like now feeling that we have to battle all the time. But taking steps backwards, yeah, too. yeah, like like okay, we need to reel this back in. But like already, like I there 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 is this thing of of this need that they feel for for this this sort of stuff where. You know, Jack and I all the time. I, I I don't know how many times a day I say, "Go read, <laughs> go, yeah. go read, <laughs> please, yeah. go read." But Daddy, I can't go picture books. I yeah, just whatever, whatever. Not not the device, not the thing. But but we just and Cody, what I really just hear you saying is like, and the thing I want to say is this naivety needs to get dealt with, yeah. especially in conservative Christian culture and all of this, like. Uh, uh, you just sort of say like we just give it to the Lord's hands. You know, it's like you know the Lord has entrusted you yeah. people. It's your job. It's your job. Right. Yeah, and and you know in this in the society of of quick access to all things and, and and you know and all of that, it's like you know guys, um, 
it's not us being it's not us being legalistic or unfair like we are naturally especially as we're following after jesus we're gonna we're gonna look different and looking different right now in the 21st century in 2020 i think has something to do with engagement with technology how we're thinking about these bound you know boundaries and things like that um so as as boldly as i can say it parents don't be stupid just quit being stupid about it yeah um and then secondly uh, speak directly to things. Yeah. Speak, speak as they are. And I, I affirm, uh, you know, Jackie and I, when we've been talking about, like, uh, we talk about anatomy, when we talk about anything, like, it's like we call, we call the things that we, we call the things that we call them. Um, and so, and this is why I'll give you a quick sh- story as to why we, why we do this. So uh, we have um, people we know. One family uh, refers to boys' private parts as, uh, as his beeper right i know odd uh thing to call it right in the other family these families know each other the beeper is the nose okay so now we've set up for perfect confusion already (laughs) right so family one goes over to family two's house family two says i'm gonna get your beeper and this family one's child is horrified like it's terrified whatever and it's like you know what we could have just called it the thing it's supposed to be called and you know and that's like trying to cutie you know cutesy it up or whatever um like i get that it like where that comes from and you know in the early age of innocence but in general like taking a heads-on approach to this because by the way the rest of the world is taking a super super heads-on approach to this they are being you know it those forces are being super intentional and super direct and using very descriptive language about it you being vague and uh, you know, sort of cloak and dagger about it on your end is not, it's not going to help, not helping. Yeah. It's not helping. And so th- that's the, that's the thing. I mean, my fellow dudes, my fellow dads, parents, loved ones, anyone who's listening, this is, this is the thing. Um, this is why Andy and I, this is why everyone around this table, uh, I think some of the conclusions that we have come to is, uh, we try and it's it's awkward sometimes but to be as direct as we can yeah um and to say things the way they are and sometimes maybe you need help now and i don't know if you guys have used like right now i am trying to i got a few books like talking to your children you know christian's perspective on talking to your children about these things at and then uh, approaching it from an age-based thing so like when they're this old this is the conversation they're this old this is the conversation is there many resources that you guys have found helpful or no um no i mean my wife is a researcher like crazy she stays up she sleeps like maybe three hours a night because she's just a night <laughs> owl that she doesn't need a lot of sleep so she'll read and read and read and i mean she has a master's in theology yeah um Divin- master's of divinity whatever that means. But, yes. Um, she's real smart. I know that. And so we don't use a specific book. Mm-hmm. Um, we just talk about reality. We just talk yeah. like it's real. Right. Because it is. Um, and we put, we're strict. We're really strict about our kids having access to anything. Yep. Um, and I, and parents today have way better chances of putting blocks on things yeah. um yeah. even on your smart tv yep. you can say this tv can't run any of these things after nine o'clock at right night. Mm-hmm. Yep. um because the reality is is kids are sneaky yes um my youngest daughter is a ninja like she can get anywhere <laughs> yeah. I, I really think that she's going to be an assassin someday because she's so <laughs> ninja, stealthy but um 
you know, like I can, you know, the, the account I set up on the iMac cannot be used after eight o'clock until seven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so Liam knows the password. I know the password too. He yep. doesn't know how to change the password, but he can't change the password. Um, cell phones, you can, there's so many restrictions you can put on it. Like yep. literally there's programs on the cell phones like Covenant Eyes or, um, Triple X Church or, you know, all kinds of things that yep. you can use. Um, the thing I think that parents sometimes struggle with that I've heard is that they believe their kid's a good kid. Yeah. And the reality is, is that we are all sinners and suck and we choose (laughs) sin more than we choose right. And so um, don't believe that your kids are going to always choose the right thing. Yeah. Now you can instill some really good things into them. So when it's presented, they can go, guys, this isn't right. We shouldn't do this. And mm-hmm. then they'll come to you and yeah. they'll tell you like, Hey, this is uh, something happened. Just wanted to let you know. And like, I did look, but I, I didn't feel right. Yeah. I didn't feel right looking. You know, I think that there's, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to make that happen, but I've heard of stories of that happening. Yep. Um, cause parents talk about how scared, how, how these things can happen. And so, um, and, and our kids are just, they're just different. Our kids yep. are just, everyone's kids are different. And we all parent, we all love our children. We want the best for our children. Yep. And so your way of parenting, my way of parenting is is for the best for our kids. We want yeah. the best. Um, so, yeah. Well, we want to thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, it's man. A, it's been an amazing show. <laughs> we, we appreciate you coming here and driving all the way here yeah, and making thanks. us coffee and being on the show. Yeah. But we are not going to let you go without. <laughs> now it's time for the dudes and dads pop quiz. Yes. So those who have never heard. Yes. The pop quiz is when we ask Cody questions that he doesn't know we're going to ask him just right off the top of our head. Just random ones. So beautiful. Five or so questions. So <laughs> yes. Joel, go ahead. All right. Uh, Cody, favorite email band. Um, uh, dashboard confessional. Excellent answer. That's a good one. All right. Um, I don't, I should have thought of some questions first. Uh, this is bad. Um, I'm going to go with the traditional, like, um, outside of coffee. What is your favorite drink? Coke or Pepsi or neither? It can be neither. Diet Dr. Pepper. Okay. All right. It tastes more like regular Dr. Pepper. <laughs> uh, favorite hobby. Uh, I love playing music. Yeah. So I and I also like to work on my own car. I'm not a mechanic, but I like to try to figure things out. God yes. bless you. Uh, where was the first place that you and Cassie went on a date? Um, the name of the place I don't remember, but it was like a uh, Mediterranean place with like um, pita and hummus and stuff like that. It's in Louisville. Gotcha. Okay. Let's see. Uh, favorite love song. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this is a love song, but I love the song. I like the way you work it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, we'll no just, diggity, no doubt. You know, we'll just be it. honest. That when, when Joel asked me that our very first episode, I said, "Pour some sugar on me," yes. and I'm like, "It's not a love song, but it's the first thing that came to my it mind." Feels, yeah. It's feels it's very so, intimate. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So if you could travel anywhere in the world that you have not traveled already. Because you've obviously gotten around a lot a of it. You've yes. gotten around. Where would you go? That's my last question, Joel. What's your after this? So. I think that it's twofold. I'm starting to learn a lot about my heritage, and uh, a lot of my heritage comes from Scotland and Ireland. So I'd really like to go to that region of the world. <laughs> so, all right, Joel. Last question. 
Last question is, uh, what was the first vehicle that you ever owned? Mm, this is the, my favorite vehicle too. <laughs> Puke yellow. Yep. Uh, nineteen ninety one Cadillac sedan. Oh, yeah. It's not everybody that gets a Cadillac. Yeah, uh, it was my parents' hand me down car, <laughs> but um, I had uh, two twelves with a six hundred watt Jensen nice. amp, and I made that thing thump. <laughs> it was so good. I love that. And then I bought my own little pickup truck right after that. So. Gotcha. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> we want to thank you for you guys for being on the show and. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening and making the Dudes and Dads podcast what it is today. Joel, if we have feedback, we'd love to hear that from you. You can call our voicemail. Yep, that's right. Good old voicemail line at 574-213-8702. And you can also email us over at dudesanddadspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear some feedback from you on this episode in particular. So uh, don't Absolutely. be shy. Yep. So thanks for joining us again today, guys. Have a great day. Grace and peace. Peace.